0: hello and welcome to what you've been watching an up to the minute film and tv podcast where your host and leading film critic roshan chandy gives you his recommendations for what to watch in the world of tv and film rounds up the weekly entertainment news and asks guests and listeners the big question what you've been watching hi everyone roshan chandy here seen any good films this week i certainly have I've watched two of my favourite films of the year this week, and one big dud. You'll find out what they are later in the show, along with a very special guest interview with the very pleasant George White. He's a screen section co-editor of Left Lion magazine and the editor of Indivisible magazine, another publication I write for, and that's devoted to flagging up low-budget art house releases that would otherwise slip under the radar. We had a great chat about many things, including the Oscars, which are scarily this Sunday and you'll hear that chat shortly after I tell you what I've been watching. So let's start with Sound of Metal. Now, this is Riz Ahmed's latest film. I'm a huge Riz Ahmed fan. have been ever since Ill Manners, back in 2012, I think it was. He's an actor, a rapper, an artist, a one-man film industry, you could say. And he's kind of made a habit of playing musicians with disabilities recently. He played a rapper with an autoimmune disease in Mogul Mowgli. And now in Sound of Metal, he plays a drummer who starts to lose his hearing. Now, it's safe to say I loved Sound of Metal. I found it such a sensory, immersive experience. I even wrote it was a sensory assault on the senses in my review. This movie has big musical action sequences, sign language dialogue, and a trio of terrific performances from Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cooke, and Paul Ratchie. The basic plot is that Riz and Liv are a white-stripe-style heavy metal duo called the Black Gammons. They play on a stage with loud guitars and loud drums, and they travel around the country in an RV. Now, one day Ruben, played by Riz, starts to develop hearing problems, and on the advice of L- Lou, played by Cooke, goes to the doctor and is told he is going deaf. He puts it down to a lot of exposure to heavy metal music. From here, Ruben becomes depressed and turns to his former drug habits, so Lou kicks him out. He's desperate to make up to Lou, so he goes into rehab and meets a fellow deaf recovering alcoholic played by Paul Ratchie, who teaches him sign language. They strike up a unique, palpable friendship. Now, I've, I've always thought Riz Ahmed is one of the finest actors working today, even crap supporting roles like Rogue One and Venom, but this movie will shoot him to mega stardom and hopefully an Oscar win. It's an extraordinary performance that allows him to flex his muscles on stage, take his shirt off and perform sign language. Thanks to Riz, you live, breathe and feel like a deaf man. I also found it really refreshing that Riz's race was not mentioned. You focus on his character, not his race. Liv Cook is amazing and almost unrecognisable as Lou. Her petite, fulsome prettiness is covered up by baggy eyes and a distinct lack of makeup. You get the sense she is suffering as much as Riz, and their chemistry is the beating heart and soul of the film. Meanwhile, newcomer Paul Ratchie is just as good as the other two. I really like the lack of synchronicity between his mouth movements and his hand gestures when he was performing Makaton. It's like watching a movie dubbed in a foreign language. He and Riz have a great friendship too. And the drumming scenes were sensational, just so immersive. This needs to be seen on a big screen and I'm so glad this is getting a cinema release when they reopen on May 17th. I will go and see it again. The drumming scenes need to be experienced at the cinema and I can't wait to experience it. Meanwhile, the the scenes of sign language have a jarring, alienating quality. I especially like the scene where Riz first wears a hearing aid and the screeching sound of silence and humming sense of disrepair are at full throttle volume. You feel like you're wearing a hearing aid yourself. This is sensory, spectacular cinema. It has three terrific performances and will definitely boost its star to A-list status. Let the Oscar campaign for Riz begin. That's Sound of Metal and it's on Amazon Prime now and in cinemas from May 17th. So there we go. That's my first film that I watched this week. Now it's time for my interview with George. Hello to George. Hi, all right. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. Really, really good. And it's great to have you on the podcast because, you know, I've been really trying to get loads of guests onto my podcast now. And uh, I think you're the fourth guest now. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, really happy about that. So it's really good to be able to, um, you know, yeah, just, you know, be able to sort of broaden my sort of scope as a journalist and a film critic. And, um, as I said, you know, I'm very new to podcasting, for example. I've only been doing this podcast for about two months now. Um, but yeah, it's it's just been great to have so many different guests come onto my programme and and to just um, you know, just to discuss films. Like I can never turn down the offer to just to discuss really good films, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for the offer to come on as well. I appreciate it. And like you say, I mean, talking about <coughs> films is never never a bad way to spend your time. Yeah, so um absolutely. Yeah. yeah, delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, so I'm, like you, kind of a freelance journalist. Um, I'm also screen co-editor at Left Line with uh, Jamie Morris, who I believe was a previous guest on this podcast. Yeah, he
0: was, yeah.
1: Yep, and also editor of Indivisible, which is kind of my own uh, website and e-magazine, which you've kindly uh, contributed to quite a few times (laughs) um, over the past few months. Um, Yeah, and that's, that's basically what i'm doing at the moment like you say like yourself just trying to broaden my horizons a little bit and um you know yeah just get the chance to write and talk and you know just be part of the kind of film scene as much as possible really it's um yeah it's definitely an area it's never never a bad place to be
0: yeah no that's that's absolutely great and um (laughs) Yeah, it's, 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 it's just really good to, you know, be able to, I mean, you're I guess you're sort of benefiting from it as well in many ways, you know, because you're sort of, you know, appearing on a podcast and, you know, that's the thing, is is, is you all like, I think we're both sort of expanding our kind of scope, you know, beyond just um, writing as such, basically, and moving into like, what could be like, you know, it's, it's not quite broadcasting, but it's sort of, you know, similar to that, you know, you're, you're you know, talking about films. And it's quite a skill in itself to sort of talk about films, I think, you know, um, as much as, um, you know, writing writing about films, basically, it's, it's as much of a sort of skill in many ways. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's it's one you you need now, you know, with the kind of modern journalist as it is now you need a bit of everything, don't you? You know, you can't just be yeah. a, a good writer. You've got to try and work on all sorts of aspects and yeah. get into all different media. So, yeah, it's always great. I love a good podcast as well, like you say, it's just... Kind of sit down and have your full focus on <laughs> films it's not something i get to do very often at the moment because obviously you know um don't see
0: anyone so. yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean um so yeah i mean the title of the show is what you've been watching so i'm going to ask you that question to you now what you've been watching
1: yes yeah, so in terms of films um well with the kind of british releases of certain films that have been in the kind of awards conversation been trying to frantically catch up since they've all seemed to have kind of come out in the last month or so and when i say kind of awards conversation not just the oscars but also things like the independent spirit awards as well so recently i've watched uh, minari which I, I reviewed for left lion um really good film which i believe we'll talk about in a bit more detail later on yep. um, and palm springs as well which again isn't really part of the oscar um nominations sadly um i didn't think it was ever going to be because you know it's way too fun for the oscars <laughs> but um but it is is kind of it's there in the the uh, spirit awards and other kind of categories as well um and other award shows um so i've been catching up with that and yeah just um watched sound of metal as well to to kind of catch up but there's still I mean, there's still quite a few that are mm-hmm. on my list um because of the late release date and I've also been trying to catch up with some older classics, like uh, like Ghostbusters. I watched Ghostbusters for the first time um, earlier this week. A little bit dated, I must admit, oh. coming at it from a, an objective angle. Um, but it is you can see why it's such a classic, um, well loved by so many. Um, also, V for Vendetta, which is kind of a more recent one, it's still 15 years ago. Um, really enjoyed that proper blockbuster film, the kind that we haven't really had the chance to see many off over the past year because obviously a lot have been delayed um with covid and that sort of thing and then in terms of tv it's mainly just shit's creek to be honest with you um yeah. my my girlfriend recommended it and i watched the first few episodes and i think you know it's all right but then it is as a lot of people say it's, it's once you get into it it really does hook you and mm-hmm. um i'm just kind of binge watching that and the the marvel shows on disney plus as well which they definitely have their flaws but they are a lot of fun and um Hopefully, you know as more come out, they'll they'll learn from kind of mistakes that they've made and yeah. Yeah. keep improving. But yeah, this is trying to keep myself busy with a bit of everything, really.
0: No, it sounds like you watched a really good selection of films, actually. Um, and so you've been watching sort of many of the major awards contenders like Minari and Palm Springs. I suppose what I want to know, given that we have got the Oscars coming up in a few weeks, is who do you think will win the Best Picture Oscar?
1: Yeah, so. In terms of if I think we'll win, um, I haven't seen the film yet, but from everything that I've kind of read, Nomadland, I think, seems to be the the favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe Zhao doing a, a great job. Um, it just seems to be like the, the, the kind of classic Oscar film, really, really powerful, incredible performances. I mean, as soon as you get Francis McDormand signed on, you know, you, you're <laughs> onto something. Um, and, yeah, it, it seems like... the Frontrunner at the moment, um, but it it seems a really strong category, uh, which is quite surprising. Like I say, a lot of films were obviously delayed or pushed back quite a long way. Um, but towards the end of the kind of past twelve months, loads of these um, really top quality films seem to have come out, and it's made the Oscars a lot more competitive than I thought it would be. I know there's kind of this debate about whether. It, you know, it kind of dampens the awards a little bit. that there, there have been delays to releases. But I think you look at that and it's it's as strong as it has been for a long time. And it's going to be an interesting one on the night, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's it's a very strong race this year because I think because there's been so much, there's been a lot less, I think, in terms of the standard kind of awards-bait fare because of the fact that cinemas have been closed, for example. And I think that that means that the Oscars are really, you know, they're having to dig deep to really find what's really actually really, really good, you know, rather than just what's sort of on the kind of, you know, just rolled out to the masses, you know, which is off at that this particular time of year, you know, we normally get so many kind of awards-based movies, and some of them are great, some of them are not so great, but there's there's only been a few this year, you know, because of cinemas being shut, and because of the whole situation, yeah. and um, But I, I want to talk about this um, film, Minari, because you said you watched that just recently. Um, it's been generating a lot of buzz, actually, and it's actually caused quite a bit of controversy, because it's it's bilingual in Korean and English, and it caused controversy at the Golden Globes, because it was nominated for foreign language film, rather than being being nominated for um you know just just best film um a lot of people said that you know it is it, to do with the kind of bilingual you know quality to the to the dialogue basically um and I, I wonder what it means that it's up for best picture now at the oscars um is this a kind of tokenistic gesture do you think or is it a sign that you know with like parasite winning last year best picture last year are the oscars becoming more accepting of foreign language films
1: yeah, from what I can gather, the, the Golden Globes kind of messed up a little bit, really, because um, yeah, like you say, it looked at the the fact it was in m- the majority of it was in a foreign language and thought, you know, it, it's not a, a kind of you know Western American film, but it you know the the kind of production team and everyone came out and said, you know, we're it's it's a, you know it was made in America with um, American staff, uh, American Asian staff, and things like that. So yeah, I don't really know why they they went for that. It seemed a bit kind of it seemed a bit of a strange decision. Um, The Oscars, I think, yeah, I don't think it's a tokenistic gesture. I think they definitely got it right compared to the Golden Globes. Um, And I mean, even if if it wasn't a kind of an American production in that way, I think, like you say, getting more of these kind of foreign language and just foreign films into the Oscars is something that needs to happen more anyway. Like you say, there was Parasite last year. I mean, you know, america isn't the only country making films um and i think that's slowly becoming recognized and uh, you know Minori's is one of these films that in its own right is just it's a really amazing film uh, incredibly powerful a universal story something that everyone can kind of um, understand they that a lot of people have experience with this kind of family that's just trying to make it in a kind of difficult environment so i think yeah it's it's definitely it shouldn't be a, a any kind of consideration what language it's in if it's a quality film it's a quality film and I think that yeah hopefully the Oscars is learning from that um learning from its past and, and learning from the Golden Globes which once again has kind of um shown itself to be one of the weakest uh, award ceremonies I think yeah. for that regard um and yeah hopefully it's something that we'll see more of going forward
0: <clears throat> so yeah I mean so Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen Minari because, you know, I was actually planning to watch it last night. I just never got around to it. But I'm going to watch it later today, and I really look forward to watching that. Um, So you also watched Sound of Metal. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that film? Because I I saw it yesterday, and I have to say, I I thought it was fantastic. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. You know, um, I just wonder what you thought.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was was an incredibly powerful film. Obviously, you can see why Riz Ahmed is um, getting so much hype around his performance i think he was incredible um which we'll, we'll talk about later i believe but yeah the film itself was it was powerful i think that's that's probably the best word for it um it was incredibly well made the sound design was exquisite i think that's that's definitely nailed on for a win uh, there um and it was just really interesting to see this kind of new and properly unique story um highlighting and in many ways celebrating a certain group in society that's that's often overlooked um often kind of almost looked look down upon or you know looked at with pity and to see this kind of community coming together and um they kind of say in the film that they they don't see being deaf as a handicap and they see it as something that you know is part of their personality and i thought that that was a really nice kind of angle to take on it it, it wasn't you know just a, like say a, a kind of a film made from a, an angle of pity it was very much a a kind of celebration and um, it was just really interesting to see this this character who obviously I mean music and sound that was his life it was his career everything about his his kind of personality and seeing how he dealt with that compared to others in the community that have come to accept it and and have taken that step and I think it ended on a really nice note as well. Uh, obviously, I won't, won't make any spoilers or anything, but yeah. mm-hmm. I think it, it left it open-ended, but it felt like a really optimistic note to finish on. And yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot more kind of uplifting in a lot of ways than I expected. Um, and I, I think that's credit to the filmmaking team behind it for, for being brave and taking that more kind of positive and um, yeah, optimistic approach.
0: Um, absolutely I mean do you think you will go and see it again at the cinemas for example because it is actually getting a cinema release you know on May 17th when they reopen um, I just think it's one of those films that has to be seen on a big screen you know because that sound design you know especially like the drumming scenes for example you can just feel that you know it kind of reverberates around you basically and and, and I, th- I think I could just imagine that hearing that on a huge big sound system would, would, would just be phenomenal I think
1: yeah absolutely that was kind of a main thought throughout the whole thing was that it's a shame that I'm watching this on a laptop in bed. You know, you've got to be, uh, you got to be in a cinema with like you say, proper speakers, um, big screen. Um, that's the way that this film was definitely made. Um, you know, it was made with that in mind. And I think I'll definitely be, be I mean, I'll be going to, to watch everything when I can. So (laughs) this is definitely on the list, um, along with a lot of the others that have been released recently. Um, yeah, a proper. It seems like a proper big screen experience, really. They like say, especially from the sound point of view.
0: Yeah. And do you think Riz Ahmed is the shoe in for Best Actor at the moment, or do you think they might give it to someone like Chadwick Boseman as a kind of posthumous gesture?
1: Yeah, it's a difficult one. Again, this one's a really competitive um, kind of section um, of the awards. I think Riz Ahmed. I personally think he does deserve it. I think he's an incredible actor. That's finally kind of getting the roles that he can he can take to another level and he showed that again but I would definitely wouldn't be wouldn't be disappointed if Chadwick Boseman got it I mean he was definitely the highlight of of Maureen He's black bottom he was incredible he did he did so much with his performance he he didn't have too much in the way of dialogue um really compared to a lot of the other characters he wasn't kind of main actor um throughout it a lot of the time but he he really made the most of his time on screen and it's, you know, it's obviously such a such a tragic loss and um, yeah, there wasn't really a, a performance that showed his talent more than that, so certainly wouldn't be disappointed if, if he was given it. But like I say, it's, it's really going to be a, a difficult one, I think, um, yeah. to, to call that one as well.
0: And one thing I've really noticed about this year's Oscar list and the kind of awards calendar in general, it's that It's a very diverse year. I mean, in the best actor category, we have a Chinese-American actor, um, sorry, Korean-American actor, actually, um, a Black actor, an Asian actor, and in the... Sorry about that. It's just... that's um (laughs) i have to edit this out um that's just the fire alarm um and then we have an asian actor in the case of riz Ahmed so in the directing category we have also two foreign filmmakers in the case of lee isaac chung for minari and thomas vinterberg for another round do you think this is a sign that the oscars are listening to our concerns about leveling the playing field and acting on it
1: yeah i think definitely you've got to you've got to accept that they've definitely made progress when you look at the lineup this year compared to previous years. Um, it's, it's really great to see diversity in there. And, and, but what's even better is that, you know, there's no, there's no tokenism there. These, these are all really incredible people working on incredible projects. And it's, it's more just that the Oscars is finally opening its eyes to this sort of talent that's out there rather than, you know, um, Rather than anything else, I think it's great that they are starting to finally appreciate different stories from different people because they've been out there for a long time and they haven't they haven't looked at it properly I think before. I, I know they've made a lot of steps behind the scenes to try and um, improve the recognition um, for those more diverse uh, filmmakers, and it, it does seem to be working now. And and as well, you know, you look at the kind of gender. Um, balance as well, it's it's slowly getting there um, I mean it's still shocking that I think it's the first time that two women have been nominated for Best Director in the same year which is which is yeah. crazy. I think it, there's only been seven
0: in She's the f- Oscar Chloe, history. Yeah, I mean, Chloe is the first woman of colour to be nominated ever, you know, I think, for, for a gold. She, watched, she was the first woman of colour ever to win a Golden Globe, for example, basically. But it's crazy that it's taken this long, that it's taken a pandemic, for example, for the Oscars to really kind of open up to, to their kind of... Well, well, to just open their eyes a bit more and be a bit more inclusive, I think, you know. And... and you know it's it, yeah it's just a shame that it's taken a huge crisis like this to sort of really bring diversity to the forefront why couldn't it happen in, a, in in you know in, in non-covid times say you know
1: yeah this is exactly it is it's credit for for this one but you, you know you've the credit is very much limited like i say these stories have been out there for a long time and they just haven't received the recognition for whatever reason so yeah it's definitely great that they're now making sets but like you say it's definitely not overdue and um hopefully it continues in the future. And and like you say, it's not just a a kind of one-off because of this, this kind of uh, strange situation we're in. Hopefully it will be something that they consider more in the future. Um, Because, yeah, like I say, these, these stories are out there and the talent is out there and it's, you know, it's, it's only fair that people are recognized regardless of kind of, you know, um, the background and things like that. So yeah, hopefully it continues to improve and, and stay at this pace and hopefully, um, it's not just a, a blip, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I have to ask, why is Daniel Kaluya only nominated for Best Supporting Actor when he was clearly the lead actor in Judas and the Black Messiah?
1: Yeah, this is a strange one. Again, I haven't had the chance to watch this one yet. I think it's been out in, in the UK for a while, but I haven't I haven't got around to watching it. But I've everything that I've read has his kind of said, you know, it's really strange that two are both in in supporting actor yeah
0: so um, both the leads that lead actors of the movie you know, you know yeah that's...
1: exactly it, it seems a strange one i don't know if it's kind of tactical on the, the part of the studio to try and get you know they've maybe they've decided that this is the best way to get one of them a win i don't know but it does definitely seem a, a strange choice um i'm guessing you've you've seen the movie
0: so. i have seen it yeah and, and yeah and but... he's... He's definitely the lead actor. I mean, I absolutely loved Judas and the Black Messiah. I think it's... Pro- I, for me, that's the film that should win. Um, you know, I'm going to ask a question about this. It comes on to my next point, actually. But that's that's what I want to... Personally want to win um, Best Picture, I think. Because I think it's... Um, yeah, it was just extraordinary. Um, and and Daniel Kaluuya was just extraordinary. And I, I don't understand why he's not up for Best Actor, to be honest. Um, so, so I've asked you who you think will win. I'm going to ask you now... Who you you personally? Who do you want to win the best picture Oscar?
1: Well, um, I must admit, if I could choose any film that I've watched over the over the past year to win, it would be Palm Springs.
0: <laughs> but okay. uh,
1: obviously, that's not an option. That was that's been the most fun that I've had in a film for a long time. Uh, really intelligent fun as well. It's not just kind of stupid comedy and things like that. It's it's a really, really kind of moving film at times as well. Incredible performances. But within the ones that have been nominated, I think Minari does, I, I definitely connected with Minari on a, a really kind of deep level. Is From the very first scene, you really invested in these characters and their story. And um, it's a really just emotional journey with yeah. incredible performances all around. Not not just Stephen Young, who obviously is finally getting some recognition. Um, really talented guy, but everyone on there was just next level. Um, I think they should have had more nominations, to be honest, in the acting categories. But... Yeah, that would that would be my choice if I if I could pick. Um, but again, that's obviously coming from someone who hasn't watched every single one. So yeah, it's a bit of a Yeah. Well,
0: that sounds yeah. very interesting, yeah. Um so one of the biggest things I've noticed about this year's best picture selection is that it's a very untypically kind of racy selection, you know, to your standard kind of awards-bait fodder, you know. So we've got movies there about, you know, a a woman who avenges her, her, her best friend who was raped in the case of Promising Young Woman. We've got a Black Lives Matter movie in the case of Judas and the Black Messiah. We've got a foreign language film in the case of Minari. I guess I was wondering, do you think this current situation we're in has made the Oscars dig deeper and open their eyes to a much wider selection of cinema than just the standard awards bait fodder?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, the fact that I
1: don't know. Is there even a, a biopic in the best picture race this year? Um,
0: I, I, Mank got nominated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's, I knew uh,
1: they'd find a way to get one. Um, in, but, yeah.
0: Uh, and then there's trial of, of the Chicago seven as well, which was about the, um, you know, which is a biopic because it was about a famous court case, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. But the fa- Sorry, what you're saying? Yeah. Go
1: on. I was just going to say the fact that they're, they're not really, neither of those are front runners. I'd be shocked if either of them won personally. Um, shows you like you say there is definitely a big difference and i think that it's about time because i think like you say you're talking about the always awards bait fodder you know there are certain films that do feel like they've been kind of made for a kind of oscar run like i say with with the biopics you get a, a biopic in get a big actor in um more often than not you're going to be at least in in the kind of conversation <laughs> there but this time like you say there's There are really films with messages, I think, is definitely one of the big things. Um, And like I say as well, you know, um, another film in there about kind of deaf community. And and that's an area that is often it hasn't really been explored. And yeah, I think, like you say, it's, it's definitely made them open up to these films that have something to say for the first time in a long time. It's not just about powerful performances and, you know, whether it was well written or anything like that it's also about is this saying something about society and i think ultimately with things like the academy awards that's what it's all about is, is kind of celebrating films that have a purpose and want to contribute something to the wider conversation and i really like that um and i think like I say hopefully that's something that continues as well going forward um because it just it just makes it more interesting i think and yeah. also as well when you look at the the directors that are nominated, you've got a couple of usual suspects in there, but there are a few in there that have never been nominated before, um, kind of rising stars. It's given them a chance. You know, there's not your usual kind of Spielbergs and uh, Scorsese's in there. You know, you've got some up-and-coming talent in there and that's really exciting to see as well because I think, yeah, it's it's so difficult to break through as a director. Um, I think, you know, getting recognition early on in your career can make a massive difference. And just because it is your, maybe even your first feature film, one of your first feature films, doesn't mean that it's not worthy of this kind of praise. So yeah, I think it's, it's an exciting selection. Um, I just hope, like you say, it doesn't revert back to old ways next year
0: yeah <laughs> I absolutely hope so too but I I, I mean I, ever since Parasite obviously won um, the Best Picture Oscar I, th- I think that I, I was just hoping that that, that wasn't going to be like a tokenistic type gest- gesture you know that that was um, that we were going to continuously see you know um, foreign cinema and international cinema and you know cinema you know telling stories of different races you know that that, that those kind of films you know would absolutely get the kind of attention that they deserved and I, and I think it's just great that the Oscars are sort of listening to our concerns about levelling the sort of playing field um and it's yeah it's just terrific to see such a wide selection of films there you know not not just on a sort of political front but you know in, in terms of just there's so many different genres there it's not just biopics and movies about you know sort of I mean in the past it's often been movies about disabilities have often had a lot of you know attention you know Oscars basically um but it, but it's you know it, it's become much more diverse you know just across the board you know I think um and I'm, I'm just really really pleased that you know that they seem to be listening
1: yeah I still think there are a couple of areas that are just overlooked a couple of genres that are just overlooked like Horror still doesn't really ever get a say. I mean, I think um, Elizabeth Moss in The Invisible Man was incredible, for example. Mm. Um, but you just kind of knew she was never going to get a serious nod in these uh-huh. sorts of sorts of things because she's in a horror, even though she put in for me one of the most powerful performances of the year. Um, and and I still think comedy as well. I mean, obviously uh, Bora is is in there. It's done pretty well. Um, but that's really the only the only kind of um, proper comedy in there but like I say ones like Palm Springs for me it's, it's difficult to make a film that's genuinely funny without it being ridiculous and over the top and so it's, it's yeah I, I definitely agree that there's such a, a kind of range in terms of the types of films in there but I still think They definitely have some kind of snobbish views against certain genres, and hopefully that starts to change going
0: forward. I mean, one one of the ones that I would have really liked to see nominated for Best Actress was Rosamund Pike for I Care a Lot. You know, because I thought Mm. that was that was a absolutely brilliant performance. That, for my opinion, was is the kind of Best Actress performance of the year. You know, and that hasn't and she won a Golden Globe for that. But I think because it's quite, I don't know if it's a comedic role as such, but it's not a sort of straightforward, serious kind of role either. You know, so I think you know that. as a real snub, but you know the fact that she wasn't nominated. I think you know, um, you know, because I, th- I, th- I thought she was absolutely terrific, and I care a lot. Um, and um, yeah, and, and so, so there are a few areas I, I think that need to be improved. They need needs to be more. I think comedy needs to get more recognition. You know, that's the thing. I haven't seen Palm Springs, but I'm hoping to watch it over the next few days. And um, but yeah. Um, I mean, thank you so much for doing this because it's, um, you know, it's just been terrific to be able to talk about, you know, all the films you've been watching and, you know, and just have a really good discussion about just what, what's kicking off in the world of film really. So George, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate
1: it. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you very much.
0: Cheers. The year means more oscar nominations and wouldn't it be great if another foreign language film wins best picture that's why i'm backing minari for the big win it is sensational a korean american bilingual production about a korean immigrant family growing up in rural america semi-autobiographically based on the upbringing of director lee chang dong the year is 1983 and Korean immigrant boy David, played by Alan Kim, moves from California to Arkansas. Here his father, Jacob, played by Stephen Yun, hopes to grow Korean produce to sell to vendors in Dallas. One of Jacob's first decisions is to decline the services of a water diviner and dig a well in a spot he finds of his own. He enlists the help of a local man and Korean war veteran named Paul, played by Will Patton. Jacob is optimistic about his life ahead in Arkansas, but his wife Monica, played by Han Yee Ri, is disappointed by it and worries about their son David's heart condition. Jacob and Monica work sexing chicks, chicks as in baby chicks, not women, (laughs) at a local hatchery and argue continuously while Jacob and his sister eavesdrop. I found a lot of similarities between this movie and Richard Linklater's Boyhood, which is one of my favourite movies of all time. There's a scene, for example, where David is looking out of a bus window and I could literally imagine Hero by Family of the Year from Boyhood playing in the background. I think what this movie has, which Boyhood also had was a sense of light and dark which any film about childhood and growing up needs to have because growing up can be both fun and scary. You get the sense you, you get light moments like when David and his grandma pick Minari plants, hence the title and dark moments like the terrifying and tragic ending. I think what this film has which Boyhood didn't have is a culture clash element. It's essentially a movie about the immigrant experience and I really like the relationship between david and paul these are two men at odds with each other because the latter was at war in the former's country and they connect over small things like thatching a roof and they have a really nice friendship this film speaks from the heart about the immigrant experience and that's evident in its bilingual mix of korean and english of course as we mentioned in the interview with george this has caused controversy when at the golden globes minari wasn't eligible for the best picture drama uh, awards because it was 50% in Korean and 50% in English. Thankfully, it's now been nominated for the Best Picture Oscar, which is brilliant because awards should be about recognizing films in any language. I think Stephen Yoon gives a great performance as David, bilingual, eloquent, and insightful at the highs and lows of being an immigrant. I especially liked his relationship with his children. Then there's Han Yi-ri as the grandmother, who's just amazing. She's the beating heart and soul of the film, the ultra-conservative Korean matriarchal figure, but she also has a soft side which is exposed in a relationship with Jacob. The scene where she picks Minari with him made me sniffle, and it all builds to an epic tragedy ending. It involves a house burning and grandmother trapped inside, and honestly the shot of grandmother coming out of the burning building could have walked off the set of Titus Andronicus by William Shakespeare and I'm not joking there. Minari is top notch Oscar viewing, a coming of age family drama with a big heart and lots of head. This is my favourite to win Best Picture. Wouldn't it be great if a foreign language film won again? That's Minari and it's on multiple platforms now. So, a quick mention of Promising Young Woman. Now, this is a film that has been in the news a lot lately. Specifically because it caused a lot of controversy when a male reviewer from Variety said Carey Mulligan wasn't hot enough for the lead role. Which is obviously a very stupid thing to say. It reads something like this. Mulligan seems an odd fit for this kind of role. It was designed for the sexier Margot Robbie. Even her blonde hair looks put on. And you can imagine that obviously caused huge controversy. It's directed by Emerald Fennell, who is a super posh actress who made her name in Call the Midwife. And this film won Best British Film at the BAFTAs. The basic plot is that Carey Mulligan is 30-year-old medical dropout student Cassie Thomas, whose best friend when she was at high school was raped but the school and the legal system did nothing about it. Now Cassie spends most of her nights faking being drunk and seducing men and murdering them <clears throat> once she reveals her sobriety. On a positive front, this movie boasts colourful colours. There are just explosions of popping pinks, yellows, greens and reds in the opening clubbing scenes. It's a visual treat. There's Nina Simone on the soundtrack, and here comes the girls, very empowering stuff, cooing in the backgrounds. Now for the negatives, and there are a lot of negatives. I have to say, this is the most overrated film of this award season. It can't decide whether it wants to be a serious movie about sexual assault, which could have been really interesting in the Me Too era, or a trashy, semi-man-hating, Birds of Prey-style revenge superhero flick. There's an awful lot of men getting beaten up and their parts blown off, That would be okay, but Promising Young Woman insists on being a serious movie about sexual assault, which it just isn't. Carey Mulligan's performance is a little too classy in this role. I'm not saying the lead actress has to be sexy, necessarily, just more trashy in her personality and image. And I think Margot Robbie perfected that in Birds of Prey with her trash-talking, ass kicking Harley Quinn. And that was a much less serious and more fun movie. She would have been better suited to the lead role, I think. I can't understand why Mulligan has attracted so much awards attention for this performance. It just looks like bad drag. The ending is predictable and cliched and involves Mulligan getting her wrongs rewritten and repaid, but there was no sense she earned this redemption in any way. I just wanted Harley Quinn to show up and kick ass. Then there's the question of whether this movie glorifies sexual assault. I don't think it does, but it's not smart, sexy, or funny enough to satirise or really cut to the heart of the subject matter. I just found it a colossal bore, and in terms of that sexist review, Mulligan was wrong for the film. Not because she's not sexy, but because she's too classy. That's Promising Young Woman and it's on Sky Cinema and Now TV Now. So that's it for this week's show. But I couldn't leave you when I asked you the big question, the title of the show. That's what you've been watching. I want to know what you've watched, whether that's at home, on your iPad or at a drive-in cinema, given they're open now. It can be anything. Let me know my podcast email address. That's what you have been watching at roshansreviews.co.uk. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you again soon.